0: Why do so many women get a hard time when they speak up? It's like, how dare you do anything but sing, dance, play, entertain me? How dare you have an opinion? It doesn't matter if you're the darlings of country and one of the most successful bands in the world. Don't badmouth my president, especially overseas. We're taking you back to the eve of one of the most contentious wars in recent history. Emotions were running high, and all it took was one little comment to start a national boycott-slash-hate campaign. Critics threatening to fire shots. For real. Welcome to Canceled. I'm your host Cam, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subjects of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately canceled. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Leah Murray.
1: And I'm Leah President.
0: And this is Crunchyroll Presents the Anime Effect. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back.
1: Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it.
0: It's 2003, and the Dixie Chicks are at the peak of their career. Fiddle player Marty McGuire and multi-instrumentalist Emily Strayer have formed a tight unit with singer-songwriter Natalie Maines. Their album Wide Open Spaces has sold more copies than all other country artists combined in its first year, eventually shifting 12 million-plus. Their forthcoming Top of the World Tour sells more than 800,000 tickets on day one, breaking a record previously held by the likes of the Rolling Stones and Madonna. They are superstars, but they are also rebels, by suing Sony for withholding royalties, then renegotiating at double the average industry rate on their own label, breaking convention on their album Home by embracing bluegrass and showcasing their own musicianship, and upsetting stations with their payback hit Goodbye Earl, where Mary Ann murders her abusive husband by poisoning his Black Eyed These are not your average cowgirls. And they look... bold. With Super Bowl applause still ringing in their ears, the Chicks head to London for three promotional shows before their world tour. Meanwhile, President Bush is vengeful after 9-11 and is convinced that Saddam Hussein poses an imminent threat with his weapons of mass murder. In February, Secretary of State Colin Powell goes before the UN Security Council to seek international backing for military action. He says Iraq is offering chemical and biological weapons training to Al-Qaeda and speaks of Saddam's utter contempt for human life. Later that month, millions of anti-war protesters take to the streets in more than 600 towns and cities across the world. Prime Minister and Chief Bush ally Tony Blair maintains there will be bloody consequences if Iraq is not confronted. UK Parliament agrees, and Iraq is given a final warning to disarm. On March 10th, over at Shepherd's Bush Empire, the Dixie Chicks take the stage. Maines is about to sing their number one cover of Bruce Roberson's mournful love song, Traveling Soldier. But first she says this, quote, just so you know, we're on the good side with y'all. We do not want this war, this violence. We're ashamed that the President of the United States is from Texas. End quote. Cue cheers. It's a sincere but off-the-cuff remark, Maine giggling as she covers her mouth with her hand and then looks to McGuire and Strayer for agreement. Like, right? The next day, only one journalist reports it. Betty Clark in The Guardian. That piece gets picked up by the Associated Press and makes its way around the world via country music websites and radio stations. All hell breaks loose. Buoyed by the anti-war sentiment overseas, it takes a while for the chicks to realize the extent of the backlash back home. They appear quite blasé in the early part of the 2007 documentary Shut Up and Sing, which was supposed to capture the tour, but became something much more. Longtime manager Simon Renshaw tells them, quote, I don't think we should shy away from controversy. Wouldn't it be great if we got them burning CDs and banning you from the radio? End quote. Be careful what you wish for. On March 12th, the band clarifies Maine's remark, quote, While we support our troops, there is nothing more frightening than the notion of going to war with Iraq and the prospect of all the innocent lives that will be lost. The lead singer adds, one of the privileges of being an American is you are free to voice your own point of view. End quote. On March 14th, CNN reports that a station in Kansas City, Missouri held a Dixie Chicken Toss party where critics of the band were encouraged to dump tapes, CDs, and tickets into trash cans. Station KRMD in Bossier City, Louisiana organizes a rally where they use a 33,000-pound tractor to crush CDs and merch. It's kind of like Willie Nelson's 4th of July picnic, says one participant. Maines issues another statement, apologizing to Bush and insisting a president should be treated with the utmost respect. But she reiterates, quote, I just wanted to see every possible alternative exhausted before children and American soldiers' lives are lost. End quote. On March 16th, the Washington Post misreads the group's genuine concern as the mischief of cheeky celebrities and says stations in Dallas, Missouri, Nashville, and Kansas City have received hundreds of calls. Under the headline, Don't Aid the Saddam Lovers, the New York Post lists the Dixie Chicks, among other celebrities, who should be boycotted for wanting to, quote, stop the liberation of Iraq from mass murderer Saddam Hussein and his rapist henchmen, end quote. Airplay for the group's songs is down 29% on country radio and 20% on general music stations, according to the BBC. The outcry prompts other artists to keep quiet or risk being Dixie-chicked. Bush thinks it's all fair in war and capitalism, telling NBC's Tom Brokaw, quote, they shouldn't have their feelings hurt just because some people don't want to buy their records when they speak out. Freedom is a two-way street, end quote. To which Maines replies in Shut Up and Sing... Quote, you're a dumb fuck. End quote. In late April, Bruce Springsteen, Mr. Born in the USA, says it's un American to deny the chicks their right to free speech. Springsteen continues, quote, the pressure coming from the government and big business to enforce conformity of thought concerning the war in politics goes against everything this country is about, namely freedom. End quote. Interesting. So, he's saying the chicks have been censored by the right-wing elite. Is this how cancel culture works in 2003? Let's break it down. There are a couple of theories on how the ban was sidelined so effectively. One is that the dominant players in U.S. radio, Clear Channel Communications, now iHeartMedia, and Cumulus Media blacklisted them in areas with high numbers in active military service and majority support for Bush. Three-quarters of Clear Channel's political donations went to Republican candidates between 1999 and 2003. The corporation ran pro-military rallies like the one organized by Clear Channel's WGST in Atlanta, attended by 25,000 people. It grew from 40 stations to more than 1,200 after the 1996 Telecommunications Act facilitated its monopoly. As for Cumulus Media, they owned 270 stations at the time, 50 of them country, including aforementioned Tractor Rally organizers KRMD. Cumulus' CEO, Louis Dickey, appears to confirm a centralized strategy at a congressional hearing in July, saying the ban, quote, was a collaborative decision-making process. Everybody fell in line, end quote. Senate Committee Chairman John McCain is offended by the chick's outburst, but says, quote, To restrain their trade because they exercise their right to free speech is remarkable, end quote. The other argument is made by the likes of journalist Michael Tracy, who thinks, quote, the overall plunge in airtime was fundamentally driven by right-wing social movements whose members called and wrote to radio stations, end quote. So, which was it? Grassroots protest or big business censure? Probably a combination. After the radio boycott, verbal abuse, and even vandalism at Robeson's home, the chicks come out swinging. They feature on the cover of Entertainment Weekly, unclothed with some of the words that have been used to describe them printed on their bodies. Everything from boycott to hero. Quote, We had to hit them over the head with it, says McGuire, and expose the absurdity of the things we were being called. If this can happen to three white girls playing country music, End quote. Robeson adds, quote, They've set the tone that they're not to be questioned, and if you do, then you are unpatriotic. That's somehow gotten into the American psyche, and it's scary. End quote. Ice Tea maker Lipton sidesteps obligations to promote the Chick's tour, running ads at odd hours and in less popular spots. They then pull sponsorship altogether. The tour starts in Greenville, South Carolina, Republican territory. A few protesters aside, they delight a 15,000-strong crowd at the sold-out venue. Quote, They said you might not come, but we knew you'd come, Maines yells, because we have the greatest fans in the whole world. End quote. But on the eve of their American Airlines Center show in July, she receives a chilling letter. It reads, Quote, you will be shot dead at your show in Dallas. End quote. Afterwards, police escort them to the airport. And yet, the Chicks managed to close out 2003 with the most lucrative country music tour of all time. The band appears to have weathered the storm, but their relationship with country music radio remains fractured. Years on, DJs such as Austin-based Eric Rains would recall still not being allowed to play them on Case FM. The Dixie Chicks keep their receipts, have babies, take stock. In March 2006, they return with a new single, Not Ready to Make Nice, in which Maines recalls her death threat. The album, Taking the Long Way, follows soon after, which bypasses Nashville, the epicenter of the industry, in favor of a more close-knit camp. It debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 charts without the support of country radio stations. It includes the follow-up single, Lubbock or Leave It, where Mainz takes aim at her small-minded hometown and others just like it. She name-checks fellow Lubbockite Buddy Holly, who got flack for trying to deviate from country. To promote their Accidents and Accusations tour, the chicks head back to Shepherd's Bush Empire, the scene of the crime, where Mainz repeats her notorious line, Stateside, ticket sales are disappointing and they have to either postpone or cancel gigs in heartlands such as Memphis and Houston. In October, NBC and The CW refuse to air ads for the documentary Shut Up and Sing. Film critic Roger Ebert takes aim at boycotters, saying, quote, They're for freedom of speech as long as they agree with what's being said, end quote. The Dixie Chicks decide not to pander to anyone. As they discuss whether to court the U.S. country circuit and shut up and sing, Maine's is defiant. Quote, Do we have to be on everything they'll let us be on? I just don't care, she shrugs. Instead, they look to Canada.
1: You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald. What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold and breathe?
0: You get into ice water, and instead of, like,
1: freaking out, you relax. It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it. I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body. But there's also a dark side. How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method? We can override even death! Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now.
0: In February 2007, they are nominated for five Grammys, including Song of the Year and Best Country Album for "Taking the Long Way, which goes double platinum in the U.S. But the project fails to receive any nominations for ACM or Country Music Association Awards, aside from Vocal Group of the Year. The Grammys' performance would be the last for several years, and apart from a few side projects, all three women focus on family. Sisters Emily and Marty both have twins. Almost 10 years later, the Dixie Chicks suddenly reappear and announce a world tour. Right on time, there's a growing audience for zero fucks, unapologetic ladies in music. On country radio, there's a void. Women in mixed gender groups make up around 13-15% to of daily airplay compared to more than 30% in the year 2000. DCX MMXVI becomes the second highest grossing country tour of the summer. On stage, they mock Trump with double horns. At the CMAs, the band duets with Beyoncé on a feather-ruffling version of her track, Daddy Lessons. Julie Height writes in Vulture that, quote, With the Texas chant they passed between them, they nodded to their places in a down-home southern musical lineage. End quote. That night, two country outsiders enter each other's worlds. In an even more divisive time, one defined by Black Lives Matter, Me Too, identity politics, climate anxiety, and cancel culture, the group vows to evolve. And it starts with a name change, losing the Dixie part and its problematic association to slavery in the Confederate era South. We want to meet this moment, they simply state in June 2020. Many haven't forgotten how badass they were back in the early 2000s. Others, who weren't even born then, have discovered them through next-gen superfans such as Taylor Swift, who wore a chick's badge on the cover of Entertainment Weekly and featured a painting of them in the video for Me. A new album, Gaslighter, debuts at number one on Billboard's country chart and number three on the all-genre list. Vindication? It was never about that. Although the Chicks continued to sell records and pack certain venues, the backlash did damage their reputation and career. Michael Hobbs of You're Wrong About podcast says this could be the first internet cancellation, acknowledging how nascent technology helped right-wing patriots to organize and mobilize. That's cancellation in inverted commas. The Chicks lost status with one group, but gained it with another. Maines clarifies, quote, We didn't get canceled. We were boycotted by country radio. End quote. And that's the true crime. Quote, they did not leave country to go mainstream as many artists do, argues Ashley Glacel. They brought mainstream audiences over to country, and then the system turned on them. End quote. Country is considered the soundtrack to conservatism, but that's a jingoistic caricature. This music can carry complexity, embody protest. In Ken Burns' PBS documentary, Chris Christofferson says country is, quote, probably the white man's soul music, end quote. Another songwriter has described it as, quote, three chords and the truth. Either way, in that highly sensitive moment in 2003, dissenting female voices just weren't tolerated. Today, the chicks are on the right side of history, as Faye comments on YouTube, quote, imagine getting canceled for being against an illegal war. End quote. The good news is that social media and streaming platforms can help artists to circumvent traditional gatekeepers like mainstream radio and to trigger progress. Turns out, being true to yourself, crossing lines, isn't so bad for business. This episode of Canceled was written by Amar Patel. This is a Broccoli Productions.